I haven't met you yet, uh, my name is Reese Nealon and I'm one of the uh, ministers here. I'm going to be giving the message for today. I have really enjoyed church today. Yeah. If you haven't noticed, uh, we had a little extended worship time. Yeah. I, uh, I really enjoyed that. Uh, we did a few different things. Uh, it seemed that we were particularly soulful today. I like that as a, uh, an honorary member of the urban community. Uh, I don't know if you knew that, but uh, we had a little ceremony over, over Marcel's house not too long ago, and he, he appointed me an honorary member of the uh, urban community. In fact, would you believe that originally it was going to be me that doing the rap down here? No? Don't, don't believe that? No, I, uh, I appreciate everybody who uh, went into the first part of the service, really participated and contributed and all that. And I'm happy to say I had nothing to do with any of it. Uh, and so the, we're probably all better off for that. Anyway, uh, it was uh, very, very encouraging. Uh, we're going to continue our series that we begun. Uh, look over in Ephesians chapter 1. The, uh, the title of the series is Be Rich. And uh, we're using uh, Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, sort of to guide us on our way. A couple of things I want to mention uh, before we get started. Of course, uh, today after the service, immediately after the service, we're going to have a chili lunch out in the courtyard. So uh, go uh, directly out there. Of course, uh, great to have everybody, even if it's your visiting for the first time. Perhaps you're especially welcome. We're going to have a wonderful family time together after church. Uh, something else that I want to mention, every Sunday, typically when you come, we have a, uh, a bulletin. And we put that together for you. The reason is so we don't have a lot of announcements to be made. Those things, that doesn't mean they're less important just because we didn't announce them publicly. So I want to encourage you to get one of these every week and to read it. Uh, we do have uh, on this week's bulletin our, uh, our new logo, Lifeway Church. Uh, also, we have a tagline for the Lifeway Church, Real Life, God's Way. Do you, do you get it? Life Way. Carly, stay with me now. Real Life, God's Way. And so, uh, anyway, this is here for you. One thing in particular I did want to mention this week it says here in the top, like us on Facebook. So our website, which is also uh, on this page, is a work in progress. We don't have a lot on our website yet. We're working on that. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be pretty awesome. We've uh, got some things we still need to do. But I want to encourage you to, uh, in fact, some of you may have got an invitation from me this week on Facebook to like our new Lifeway LA Church page. Uh, invite your friends to like it as well. Uh, it's going to be updated daily, the Facebook page, with good news, prayer requests, info on our ministry, short messages, spiritual encouragement, etc. Uh, one other thing to mention is, uh, we said it last week, I'll say it again, you'll see on the table in the front back, invitations to this series, Be Rich. They're in English and Spanish. Uh, we have enough for about 15 per person. So please pick those up, either in the back or the front, and use them to invite your friends in this series that we're having. Okay, Ephesians chapter 1. Are you there yet? 
This is uh, part two of the uh, message that we began, uh, began last week entitled Rich in God's Love. So this is Rich in God's Love part two and the, the main point is that you and I can be rich if we understand and know the love of God. Uh, Paul is a missionary. He's a Christian missionary. He's been spreading the word, planting churches for many years. When he writes this, he's actually in prison. He's writing to a church in Ephesus that he had spent several years with, and so he knows those folks. But he starts out here and he talks about how he feels about God and the opportunity that we all have to know God and to understand the love of God. So we're going to read it one more time. Next week we are going to move on. And uh, Marcel is going to be speaking, uh, Lord willing, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. That will be next week. Lord willing. We, we hope the Lord is willing. Marcel is, is willing. Aren't you, Marcel? Okay, good. But uh, I want us to read this one more time, and hopefully you've been reading it a lot over the last few weeks, because I think it's, it's something that some things in the Bible or, or in, in, in God's Word that we just need to let sink in. We need to let them marinate like a good steak. Do you know what I'm talking about? You know, some things, some foods are a lot better when you marinate them overnight, over a period of days even. Uh, this is a great, uh, great part of God's word. Let's read it one more time as we talk about being rich in God's love. Ephesians 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, in love. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, 
who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Hopefully as we're reading that today, and we've read it for several times over the last few weeks, that it really means more and more to you personally. Today, uh, we're going to have a little bit of a fireside chat. Uh, it's going to be a little more of a conversation, perhaps, than a sermon. Do you believe in the love of God? It's one thing to believe in God. It's quite another thing to believe in the love of God. Do we understand the difference? Now, Paul, obviously, this man Paul, as he writes, he has no problems believing in the love of God. That's pretty clear, isn't it? He doesn't seem to have any doubts. Not only that God exists, but that God loves. That God loves him. That God loves us. If you believe in God's love, if you understand God's love, you don't so much choose to love God as to be overcome by the love of God. Did that make sense to you right there? I'm going to try to work with you on this, Marcel. I think a lot of us, and I want to try to help us with this today, a lot of us, frankly, and I'm talking about some of us that have been followers of Jesus for many years, we have a hard time relating to the way that Paul feels about God and feels about the love of God. He's got something in his cart. He's got an understanding of the love of God that makes him rich. He understands that in a way, and it's, if you understand the love of God, love being the most powerful force in the world, it really almost gives you no choice but to love him in return. Are you following me there? It's a lot like, Marcel, it's a lot like with, uh, with your parents and some of his maybe didn't have as good parents as others, and some of us had really good parents. But I have never had a problem loving my parents. Why is that? Is that a choice that I made? Is that something that I have to work at? Not really. Because I understand with my parents, it's very clear to me over a period of my life and over many years how much they've loved me how much they put into me, how much they sacrificed for me. It's the most natural thing in the world, really, for children to love their parents. Are you following me here? In the same way, I believe this is so important to all of us, if we can understand the love of God, it really will not so much be a choice to love God, but it will be something, well, the love of God will be much like a hurricane that overcomes us and leaves us no choice but to love him in the same way. And that's how we can build 
a great relationship. This is where we all want to go. And you may not be there today, but this is where we all want to go, is that where we understand God's love in such a way that we are moved. It's not just a choice that we make. It's not just a decision that we make. We are moved. We are motivated. We are compelled to love God ourselves. That's where we want to be. If we don't get there, all of us, any of us who wouldn't, if we don't get there, we're going to be doomed to a life of emptiness and dullness. And even as followers of Christ, our faith and the practice of our Christianity will seem to be boring and dry and lifeless. When we don't have a basis of love about really our, uh, our faith. I've already asked the question if you, uh, you believe in the love of God. I'm quite sure in this audience there are different degrees of how strongly we believe in the love of God. The truth is, in your life and mine, I might have believed in the love of God a lot more last week than I do this week. Right? Because things happen. I want to do something that uh, you might find a little unusual today. I want to give you permission to doubt whether God loves you or not. Now, notice I didn't say I want to encourage you to doubt whether God loves us or not. But this is, in this church, we, it's what's, we want it to be real life, God's way. And the truth is, even for those of us who have been in the faith many years, there's times and there's things that happen in our lives and we wonder, does God really love us? And sometimes we don't want to tell anybody that we wonder whether God loves us. Sometimes it's like the spiritual skeleton in our closet. We have serious doubts, but we're not being real. We're not being honest about it. We're afraid to express it. It's like we're... If you've done something wrong, I mean, I appreciate the fact that um, just a few weeks ago, after our good friend and uh, brother Tom Gross passed away, the very next Sunday when we came to church, uh, my friend Rob, our, you know, we were great friends with Tom, he was obviously not happy at church. He was obviously uh, not not uh, not enjoying himself as he normally would and so uh, we got together I got together with Rob that night and you know we talked and I asked him what it was going on and how he was feeling and of course Tom having recently passed away and he said you know the truth is uh, I am just mad at God there are things that happen aren't there why did he take our friend Tom away from us and we just feel like you know, you're just getting close and things are just getting so much better and we're on a good path here and then all of a sudden it all goes away. By the way, Rob, I hope you don't mind me sharing that. You're now mad at me. He's now mad at me. I, I decided that uh, instead of sharing my life today, I would share yours. But certainly, I, uh, I felt the same thing. There have been 
times when things have happened in my life, and I've been in the faith, I've been following Jesus for many years now. Thirty-some years, Marlon. You're keeping track, aren't you? But there are times when I've certainly doubted and wondered about God's love. I mean, the questions I think that all of us face at one time or another, and they may be very real in your life today, I think we just need to, to be honest about it. Why, if God loves us, why is there so much evil in the world? If God loves us, why is there so much, why is there so much sickness and pain and even death? What about, what about natural disasters? Happens all the time, right? Earthquakes, hurricanes, typhoons, floods. Now you're all scared. Don't think any of that's going to happen today, but at least not here. We hope not. But why do these things happen? Sudden, large numbers of people lose their life. Why do bad things happen to good people? I won't even begin to be able to answer all those questions today. I want to talk about some of the things from this text that I hope that what we read that can help you. But I think it's important not to be afraid to ask ourselves those hard questions. To acknowledge that that it's not always easy to believe and understand the love of God. And that our unspoken doubts really hurt us. That doesn't help us. And if we don't get the answers that we need, if we don't keep searching for those answers, not only will we be hurt, but how will we be able to help other people who have the same questions? And so in many ways, for me, and I bet it is for you, it's a lifelong journey to grow in our understanding of God and His love and to be able to make it real in our own life, to deal with the doubts, to answer these tough questions. And I'm not going to be able to do all that today. It's a lot like hiking. How many of you like to go hiking? You know, um, I really enjoy, I don't really enjoy, I really enjoy going up on a mountain and going up a trail and getting to a spot where I can look out over and see this, uh, the beautiful vistas, the, the creation, the wonders of God's glory. I just don't like the fact that I have to hike to get there. My problem, I'm just being honest with you, my problem is I do not like the energy and the effort and the time that it takes to get me there. If there's some way they could just take me up on top of these mountains and drop me there. Right? But really what, what we're even beginning to do here in the last few weeks, and we're even doing today, it does seem a little hot in here. Kevin is waving himself. I don't know if there's any, is there any way for you to lower the temperature, Tom? It does seem a little bit hot. He's just thinking about hiking and he's getting tired and he's getting tired and he's sweating. 
I'm with you, you know. I'm, I'm starting to get tired and sweat myself. Um, but when you really, let me just, the way that I picture it is, is that we all are trying to climb this mountain of God's love. And the higher that we get, the better view. You ever notice that when you go hiking and you stop along the way, the higher you get, the better the view, the richer the experience, the fuller the picture we get of nature and the beauty of what we're seeing. This is something that we all need to continue to do is spiritually to climb up the mountain of God's love. To be able to go higher and higher to discover more and more of who God is and really how much He loves us. It requires each of us to invest. Here's another question for you. How can we ever get rich if we don't invest anything? You know, most people don't get rich unless they invest something. Now, I suppose that there's some people who inherit all their wealth. But that doesn't happen very often. But even if that is something that is sort of handed down through the family there, somewhere back, maybe several generations ago, somebody invested a lot of time and a lot of energy and even money that paid off in becoming wealthy. What I want us all to do is to have a long-term vision, wherever you are today, of growing in your understanding of God's love. Climbing that mountain, investing yourself. This is not something that just happens once when you get baptized into Christ and you decide to follow Christ. This is something that requires us to continue to pursue this understanding of God and how much he loves us. Well, let's see if we can talk about a few things and answer a few questions here. There's three words in these first 14 verses that I want to emphasize. And one of them we talked about last week. I want to mention again. It says in verse 2, Grace and peace to you from God our Father. If we can understand, and our picture of God is that he is like a father, a good father, then we have an opportunity to experience God's love. It's because God is a father that we even exist today. Have you ever asked yourself the question, why am I here? If we believe in God and the power of God and that he created life and he put us here, why are we here? It's the same reason that parents decide to have children. It's because in love, they have something that they want to share and they want to bless others and they want to shower their love on their children. Hopefully that, if you're a parent, that's why you decided to have children. You did not decide to have children because it was going to make your life easier. You did not decide to have children because you would then be wealthier. You would have more money. 
Most of us figured out it's going to cost you something. Parents do not decide to have children because their life is going to be so much easier, so much more comfortable. But we do it and we keep doing it, don't we? It's the same reason God is a father. He created us in love. It's why we have so many good things, because he wants to bless us. The same way any parent does or any good father does. He wants to bless his children. He wants to give us great things, good things. But here's the thing that we under, need to understand about life as well. There's also another, other parts that we understand of what it means to be a good father. A good father sets boundaries for his children. We understand that. A good father disciplines his children in love. A good father trains his children and he prepares them and he teaches them lessons and they're not always pleasant. I can't tell you how many times when I was growing up as a child, mostly as a young child, I was convinced that my parents hated me. That perhaps their goal in life, I know that's strong, isn't it, Marcel? But at many times it seemed like, I don't know why they're doing what they're doing, and why is there these boundaries, and why is there this discipline, and why are they making hard for me? Something else that we need to understand, God doesn't raise any spoiled children. In love, he's preparing us, and he's growing us, and he wants us, wherever we're at today, to do even more, to experience more. But part of that is that along the way there's going to be some pain and some suffering that goes along with it. Another word that means a lot to me here is in verse 7, is the first time it's used, it says, in him we have redemption through his blood. That word redemption, it's actually used later on in the last verse, in verse 14. That word redemption is a little bit of a, a, little bit of a strange word. Uh, it's, not, uh, it's not a word that we use a lot. Am I right about that? Uh, how many of you used the word redemption in the last week? Yes, a couple of you. Usually if we're, the only way that, the only context that we understand the word redemption is, I'm going to the grocery store and redeem some coupons <laughs> for two for one or discount, right, whatever. But you have to understand that in that day and age, this was a much more common and powerful idea. And it really relates, did you know that during the Roman Empire, the time of the Roman Empire, when this was written, it is estimated that 50% of the people were slaves. And so, obviously, then as now, it's an awful way to think about having to live your life. But if you were a slave, you had no choice in the matter. You were helpless. You were hopeless. You were not able to do anything to change your position as a slave. 
The only way that that could happen is if somebody came forward and redeemed you. They paid a price for you, and then they set you free so that you were no longer a slave. You're probably not surprised that it didn't happen that often in that day and age. And of course, as Marcel already talked about it earlier, spiritually speaking, we are all slaves to sin. In the same way, we are in a hopeless, helpless position. There is nothing that we can do to rescue ourselves, to save ourselves, to change our position. God in his love comes along and redeems us. By the blood of Jesus, he buys our freedom, as it were. And he gives us a way back to him. Now, this is uh, one of the questions about God that we often have is, why is there so much evil in the world? And we're frequently disturbed by that, and that's very understanding. What we have to understand is, the evil that's in the world, the sin that's in the world, is because of the choices that people have made. Are you following me there? Let's not blame God for your bad choices. And some people have a problem with the fact that God gives so much he gives so much freedom. He gives us a scary amount of freedom to choose what we do or don't do. Have you figured that out yet? Why does God do that? Again, God does that. He gives us these, this choice because he loves us. What is the alternative? If God doesn't give us a choice... We are all merely robots. Love and the relationship of love that God wants to have each one of us. Love is meaningless unless both people choose each other. Have we figured that out yet? The reason that Mary Kay and I are still married. Well, the reason we got married is because I chose her, and she chose me. The reason we're still married is because I'm still choosing her, and she's still choosing me. God, in his love, has given all of us a choice. And the evil in the world, and when we get concerned about that and we question whether it's God's love or not, we need to just ask ourselves the question, did this happen because somebody or some group of people made bad choices? And much of the things that disturb us about our world are because of that. In love, God gives us a choice. But he also, knowing us and knowing where we go, he gives us a way back. We are sinners because we chose to sin. 
We become slaves of sin because we chose a path of sin. God in his love allows us to choose, but then he also in his love provides us a way back. You know, many times there are many things in life, I bet you could think about your own life as well, where I did things, I didn't do things, and there were consequences, and I desperately wish I could go back and change and do it over. You have that in your life, some things you'd like to have a do-over? Sure we do. But in life, many of these things, so often there's nothing that you can do. It's like, I like sports. And when my team loses, it hurts so bad. Kevin Batcher, you know what I'm talking about. Marcel knows that when USC loses, it hurts so bad. And you know, your, your heart's into it, and maybe you're a player, or maybe you're a spectator. But here's what I figured out about life. When the game is over, it is over. As desperately as I might want to somehow do it over, to see a different ending, no, it is ended, it is done, it is too late. But God, in our lives, spiritually, we have all made choices. We have all made bad choices. We have all made sinful choices. In fact, most of us, all of us, at one time, we've, we've gone so far that we have become slaves to sin. We've been addicted to sin. Perhaps we're even there today. But in love, God says... The story is not over yet. Where you are today is not necessarily where you're going to end up. And in love, he redeems us. You know, I imagine if you were a slave during the time of the Roman Empire, or you were a slave in, you know, the early history of the United States of America, and somehow you were able to obtain your freedom especially if somebody else paid a price for your freedom. You can only imagine, right, even though we've never perhaps experienced that ourselves, you can only imagine how much, how much, and how grateful and how wonderful that would feel. Spiritually, we've all had that opportunity. We have all perhaps even had, many of us had that same experience of being set free and brought back from our sin. The last thing I want to mention here is this word inheritance. It's in verse 14 when it talks about the very end of that scripture is talking about the Holy Spirit. It says the Holy Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. What's he talking about there in inheritance? He's talking about what everybody who decides to follow Jesus has in store for them 
after this life is over. This life is not all there is. And our ability to understand God and His love will grow if we understand that if we don't put too much importance on the things that happen in this life. Are you following me there? Because sometimes when we see people die at an earlier age, perhaps die in the prime of their life, we're very concerned because they didn't get to experience something that somebody else might. What we all need to understand is that our life here, no matter how long it is, is relatively short. As I like to say, you're going to be dead a lot longer than you're alive. This life is simply our opportunity to choose. It's our opportunity to choose what we're going to do next. And so many of the things that God perhaps even allows in this life that are tough for us, like sickness and pain and death even, are really, in one sense, powerful examples of how much God loves us, that he's continually around us, with us or with people that we know, illustrating for us the fact that life is short. That there's more to life than just what we experience here. And that there's an eternity, there's something better. You know, it, it's hard enough for us to see our need for God, for many of us. Even in the situation we're in, imagine if there was no sickness or pain or suffering or even death. How hard would it be for us to see our need for God? The assignment I want to give you for this week is to read Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. Now, if you've been here, we've, uh, we've done that for the last three weeks. So we're going to do it one more week at least. And the thing that I would like for you to do as well in connection with that is, I would like, if you have any doubts about God's love, then I would just encourage you to share that with somebody else. Get some help with that. It's understandable that it sometimes is difficult for us to comprehend or to feel or experience God's love. Let's talk about that and let's see if we can all climb the mountain of God's love together and uh, perhaps help each other along the way to have a growing and deeper, deeper understanding of how much God loves us.